friend? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. Wednesday, June 24th, 2020, it's the Laced Up Hockey... We're still quarantined, podcast. I'm James Cole. That was a different one. That was weird. Uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia from the north side. I'm, um, uh, yeah, technically quarantined. I mean, I guess I'm I guess I'm going on a fucking vacation sort of this weekend, but I'm still quarantined until then, I guess. And, and, now, now, and probably will be quarantined when I get back, even though... Uh, even though we checked, like, I'm pretty sure one of my buddies checked with, like, checked with someone, like, official, and they're like, nah, you guys don't need to isolate afterwards. I'm like, well, I probably am going to, anyway. But alright. Never hurts, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I fucking do anything these days anyway, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna go back to work immediately after, I guess, because I'm all still not back yet, so. What's now, another? as far as I understand it, the last time you planned a vacation yeah well i mean the we're, world shut down we're getting a lot closer to the date and i'm starting to think that we might get away with this like i'm starting to think you know what i mean like i i'm, I'm starting to think we might go wow what's that feel like well i mean i thought we were gonna go last time and then i didn't end up leaving my house didn't go i didn't leave my house for 84 <laughs> days or whatever so <laughs> yeah, there's, there's well, a lot of time for this to get hairy is what i'm saying very fair. Yeah. Um, I, well, that's exciting, though. It's, it's like 72 hours away, but I'm still like, ah, there's a lot that can go wrong. What's on, the, uh, wrong. what's on the docket for the vacation? Well, we rented Any a house. activities? We rented a houseboat. Uh, it's technically a bachelor party for my friend. And that was kind of like the main thing like for us is just like, if this company is actually like allowed to open back up and allowed to do what they're doing and are allowing us to go on the vacation... And we've checked with other people, and they're like, "Yeah, you're fine to go." Then I, like, I guess, I guess we're good to go. The thing that sort of concerns me—it's not the other guys, because I know, like, everyone else. Uh, I know pretty much everyone else on the trip, like, really hasn't been seeing their families or anything like that either. Is just like um, the where we're gonna be. We're gonna be docked near what is technically a public beach. And so, like, I'm mm. concerned about, like, mingling on the beach. The beach. Because I don't... I'm not going to be doing that. But but if, I am, if I'm not, and the other nine guys are, and I'm still staying on a boat with them, you know, I don't know. It's just a weird situation. Um, but... We're we're pressing on as of right now, so we'll see what happens. What if one of you got, like, a, like a shark outfit? Yeah. And just oh, scared okay. everybody else off the beach. I thought you were gonna say you know? like a like a shark bite, and I was just gonna tell you like just so you know they are not native to Lake of the Woods, um, ah. but <laughs> they're not not even native to Lake of the Ozarks as far as I know. Um, yeah, no, I guess uh, I guess we could try to scare them off. I didn't I didn't really think of that. Um, yeah, that might be an option. 
Yeah, you just have like one guy walking around coughing a lot. And, yeah. You know, that might drive some people away. I don't know. <laughs> Smoke a bunch of darts and then go cough everywhere. Even That's... just a bunch of different, uh, like a bunch of different illnesses would be good too. Like we'll, we'll scab one guy up real good so it looks like he's got leprosy oh. or something, you know. Like we'll, we'll really, really take Diversify. You know, one guy has scurvy because, yeah. you know, we're going to be on a boat. Nice. One one guy might get scurvy, you know. Who knows? Who's to say? We do have meals planned, um, but I have <laughs> I have effectively let uh, the essentially the party planning committee take care of this trip, and I'm just going. I have literally no idea what we're eating, but I'm assuming it's food. I we were I don't... planning to eat. Yeah, like they these guys these guys are they they got more of a vision of this trip than I do. I don't really know what to expect. I've never been on a houseboat. It looks like fun. Hmm. Well, I, I hope it is fun. Yeah, I hope um, so. Me too. Because I, I like you need something to do at this point. Like, I know it's yeah. nice out and people can go outside and do things to some extent again, but it's it's still quarantine. It's still kind of boring. You know what the funny thing is? Like I've joked around about this with other people too. Is like the hilarious thing was that, like, just reminiscing to our episode three months ago before all of this happened, was I had worked for about five or six months straight with essentially like. I would maybe go and have some beers on a Friday night, but essentially had done nothing fun for like five, six months. And it was all building up to like that week in March when everything got shut down where I was actually going to have like tons of shit to do. So this is like the first actual fun planned thing I've had in quite a while. So I'm hoping it goes well. I hope so too, because that would be... Because technically we've had this planned for like over a year, I'm pretty sure. So it's, you know, it's going to happen and it better be good. It would be both tragic yet hilarious, honestly, if, if you know, something were to fall through okay. uh, well, in that regard. Having been caught in uh, on in the middle of that lake during funnel clouds, I'm really praying, praying that at least the weather cooperates, because that is Ooh. not a fun place to be caught uh, in the middle of a near tornado, I'll tell you that for free. Very fair. Uh, one thing that is uh, not cooperating is the NHL's return to uh, play plan. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, you know what's really stubborn is that fucking coronavirus. You guys hear about yeah. that? It's really fucking... Isn't it really weird how like, we're, like, we're trying to play hockey and it just deal keeps with coming around and yeah. infecting our players? And um, Yeah, like, I, yeah. Don't, I don't... Again, like, I've been saying this for... I've been saying this for how many fucking podcasts now? This idea makes no sense. This was always gonna happen. Like we like I was trying not to be a Debbie Downer. This was always gonna be what was gonna happen. Guys were gonna get sick somehow. It was gonna happen. And now it happened. Mm-hmm. Now what now, the one thing I'm curious about, because I, I, I couldn't find this anywhere. Um I, what we know so far is that over two hundred players were tested by the league and um eleven came back positive. So r- roughly five percent, let's call it. Uh, in big picture five percent. Not a bad number, but when you're dealing with a pandemic, five percent is not not great. Um, now these are these are healthy guys. These are guys that you know their immune systems sh- for the most part should be up to date. You know, aside from those few guys that have up diabetes, to date, and stuff it's like not that. like a fucking operating system that. <laughs> yeah, you I don't know. I don't have one, a, so I don't have a fucking works. update every month. <laughs> you got to plug your phone in. It's got to be at fifty percent, and then they install the update while you're sleeping. That's not really how it works, I guess. It kind of happens while you're sleeping, I guess. Your immune system, yeah, you're charging, sort of recharges. But, I guess um, yeah, it's not the worst analogy. I guess yeah, up to date, up to nice. date. It's got the latest <laughs> software. 
These guys should have the latest software. They are <laughs> millionaires in most cases. So, yeah, okay. So so what I'm curious about is, like, as, as we talked about last week, uh, teams are slowly starting to get their guys back you know you know six i think it was six guys could go train at a time the nhl's bumped that up since then but when this all started <laughs> oh, oh you mean you was... mean like the nhl's response to everyone getting sick was you know what we should do we should have more guys at the same facility at one given time that's what we should do we should you know how you know how six guys seem to give it to each other well there's no way they give it to 12 of their teammates come on that couldn't happen Let's have I, more people uh, at the rink. I, I guess there's something to be said for sticking to your guns. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, if the NHL's nothing, it's uh, it's determined at least. So I, I'm just curious if if this this you know little spike in in numbers, so to speak, is perhaps just due to the fact that all these guys just finished traveling to get back to where they were. Like if like, you know what I mean. Like if this is the biggest spike that we can expect. Maybe this isn't so bad, but if, if this is like the first spike yeah. of many to come, yeah, which well, seems to be here, probably the case. Here's the problem: is the spike happened during like the one part of the plan where it was like, well, it should be safe for them to at least go to training camp together. <laughs> like that was the one well, part where it was like, yeah, like that that should be fine. Soon they're going to be like encountering hundreds and hundreds of people in a day. Rather than mm-hmm. just six guys on their on their way to and from the rink, like this was supposed to be the easy part. That's what concerns me, right? And um, you know, I I don't I don't really know because they still have not explicitly said when these guys are actually like how often they're going to be getting tested and stuff like that. It's just um, it's going to have to be really persistent in order to avoid this getting way fucking worse. That's all. Yeah. No, and that's the thing, right? Like, if if day one it's five percent, and day two it's four percent, you know, and and that trend kind of carries, then like for sure, it's it's going to be worse before it gets better. My concern is obviously as you introduce more players, like you know, the math works very simply. Uh, <clears throat> multiply uh, something by twice its size, and you got twice as many people. So. Uh, I am curious to see kind of how the numbers reflect as as this you know return to play process progresses. Um, but I, I think like at the end of the day, like my my shred of optimism here is mm. if if this is gonna happen, you know if you're gonna get that spike, get it while you're only hanging out with six guys and try to try to contain it that way. I guess I look I'm. I don't agree with this whole return to play thing. I'm just saying if this is yeah, what yeah, they're yeah. going to do, no, this I, is I get the, the time you want them to get it. I hear you, and I'm I'm not coming after you specifically, but you did say the words, so you do have to fall into this argument. As I've heard, For sure, so many people give me the bullshit. Well, if it's going to happen, it's better it happens now. Yeah, there's nothing stopping it from happening happening the whole time. Like, like everyone's acting like there was only ever going to be one outbreak during all of this, and now it's over, and now we can just get back to playing hockey. It's like, no, these guys are, like, going to be fucking, like, potentially able to give the virus to their teammates for a while. Like, we don't really know how that works still. Like, uh, here's one question I have for you, because I haven't seen this anywhere. Have they explicitly stated that once you've, like, 
past all your symptoms and everything like that, that you are now coronavirus-free? Because as far as I know, we don't know that that's the case. Like, people who were once contaminated can still be contaminated? Uh, is is that not possible? The latest I heard, and it's funny you ask, because I, I was reading an article this morning about this, is that what they've, the what they've found out of China is China. that when you get it and you recover, there's about a two to three month window where the antibodies are in your system and you're more or less immune. But what they're finding is after that couple months pass, yeah. you know, the antibodies start to subside and some people can be subject to getting it again. So, you know, the the number drops off significantly to the point where the chances of re-getting it are very slim. But, to your point, yeah, it's quite possible that, you know, one or two guys could get it again out of this, you know, group of guys that have it now. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just my, my whole point, right, is just the... If this was going to happen, it's better it happens now. It's like it's just a ridiculous argument. Like it's not that's not really how time works, you know. Like it's not really like uh, uh, only one bad thing can happen here. Like a, a lot of a lot of much worse things can well, happen. And there's there's so much unknown with it too, right? Like if if this was like the chicken pox, like if if there's some some weird strain of the chicken pox, and it was like, well, we might get it. Okay, get it now. Get it out of the way, because then you won't have it again. That's a fine way of thinking. It's not a great way. It's a fine way of thinking. But this isn't the chicken pox. This isn't a situation no. where you can only get it once. You might get it again. And no matter how small that number yeah. is, there's still a chance. And, <laughs> and for what it's worth, uh, if you get the chicken pox a second time, uh, you usually die. So that's, that's you know, if coronavirus anything. Fun. If chicken pox taught us anything about how fucking coronavirus works... <laughs> Uh, fun fact, I have a cousin that's had chicken pox three times in her life. That's fucking... <laughs> three <laughs> yeah. times seems like yeah. just... You've beat the odds. Like, that's just crazy. <laughs> so I've heard of, I've heard of people getting it twice and being fine. But, like, the mortality rate's so much higher the second time, right? But, like... There it is. I, that's, a, that's a fun hidden Easter egg. Which cousin is it? <laughs> One listener might know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... um so anyway, like yeah, we're we're moving we're moving through this whole return to play thing. Some guys have co- come down with COVID. Obviously, these are massive warning signs that should be huge indications of uh, you know reasons to abandon ship or alter course. And the NHL is business as usual. They're sticking to their plan. They're trudging along. They're still shooting for July 10th as a tentative opening for training camps. Beyond that, we're supposed to get more hub city news. Like, you know what I mean? Like this whole coronavirus thing. Like the the, the numbers come in, sucks. We talk yeah. about it, and and then like the league is just like, yes, this is unfortunate. But have you heard? We're gonna have hub cities this Friday, and it's like, yeah, okay. Can we maybe talk about like the guys that are sick and putting their lives at risk? No. Oh, oh, oh all right. That's that's fine. I guess. Yeah, I mean, like one one thing. Um, you know, I can't remember if I mentioned it specifically on the podcast, but I know you and I talked about it uh, at some point in the last week. Was like, you know, I, I you always got to take these things with a grain of salt. But but you know, one guy, even though he's fairly new to the hockey media game, that I that I do um, take his words seriously is Kevin Bieksa, and 
you know, the whole thing with him on Tim and Sid the other day, and he and he said that that he had like half the guys he's talked to don't want to come back, right? And so let's say that's true, and even Tim and Sid were like, well, how many guys is that? And he's like, well, I've got a, most of my friends still play in the league kind of thing, right? So my, my kind of thought on all this, too, was like if the NHL went and said, you know what, we're going to delay training camp a little bit more and, and, and see what happens. Like, I, I, part of me does wonder a little bit just how close it actually is to, to like a lot of players just being like, fuck this. And I wonder if delaying it would have had that reaction. Uh, like, keeping it going might have had the same reaction. Like, you saw Steven Stamkos just being like, okay, I guess this is fuck. I guess we're going to keep going, like, kind of thing, right? Um, so, I like, I, I don't really know if the reaction would have come one way or another, but I do sort of wonder if the NHL stuck to their guns because they just kind of said, you know what, if, if we turn tail and head back a little bit here... Uh, it might be the worst decision in terms of, you know, the the what the players want to do, right? Yeah, and again, God forbid I, the I league think... ever actually talk to the fucking players union. Well, and this is kind of where I come down on the other side of it, and I know there's a lot of guys out there that don't want to come back and play, but we talked about this before. There's a lot of guys and a lot of agents that are talking to these guys that are like. This this whole issue with escrow, it's it's a it's a reality. Like, mm-hmm. if the league shuts down after sixty nine to seventy two games, uh, then these guys are losing a huge chunk of their salary moving next year. And I know we can sit here and and, and whine and oh poor millionaire type of type of sob story, but you know, look that's 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 the deal. That's how this works. You know, you sit down. You render your services to an organization at a set price, and then a few months later, uh, you turn around and all of a sudden that that price you were told you're getting uh, is is no longer that price. And oh, oh you know what? I've gone out and, and bought a house or rented a condo, and you know I've put my kids in in you know schools that are far ex- more expensive than the you know the average and that's again that's not to say that we should feel bad for these people that are living privileged privileged lives but you know imagine how you would feel if you know your boss said oh we're gonna pay you six thousand dollars this year to to mop the floor and then okay i'm gonna buy a tv and then all of a sudden they're like oh yeah by the way we're gonna pay you half and now you can't afford the tv it's it's the same kind of principle and it's just it depends on how you want to look at at, at how you view the, the, you know, the woe is me of the, the multimillionaire, I suppose. But it's a shitty situation that they're put into where they, they a lot of them I've read have, have felt almost compelled and pressured to come back, not only for themselves, but for their teammates. You know, guys that are, are you know, maybe not making a lot of money. You know, these, these uh, you know, rookies or, you know, veterans that are on these, you know, low-cost deals. And, you know, at the end of the day... Maybe they're not really making the type of money that we, the fans, think they're making. So, six it's a tough situation, I think. $6,000 to mop the floor? Like, how many times a week do I got to do it? That's not very... I'm not sure. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a, a plan That's going up. into that. How much money did you I'll... make last year? Like, like <laughs> just so you know, like, the <laughs> the average annual income is a lot fucking higher than that. Um, yeah, you, no... You I, are not being paid adequately, so... I, I you know what the the players at this point can respond however they want. I, I don't you know what I'm not, I'm not going to really place any blame on players regardless of their reaction. I think 
Uh, the NHL is putting them in a difficult position, and any player that feels uncomfortable not playing, or sorry, uncomfortable playing, uh, should definitely do so. Any player that feels a need to go back, um, you know, whether it's a good reason or not, uh, again, if you feel like you don't want to let your teammates down or whatever, I'm I'm not going to really judge, even though I think that's a stupid reason. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot to be said there. At the end of the day, it's just kind of, it, it, it just sort of is what it is right now with this. Like, they're, they're, a lot of the players in the league are sort of caught between a rock and a hard place, I think, with some of this. So, um, again, good on Polak for saying he's not playing, but there were other factors at work there. I don't really know if COVID was number one on the list. It sort of seemed like it was, but he also said, you know, I'm not really playing and all that kind of stuff. So we still have really yet to see that that first player be like, nah, fuck it. Like, that's stupid. We saw uh, NBA finally had their first guy. So we'll we'll see um, what happens there. But uh, Davis Burton said he's, there's, he's not coming back. Like, fuck it. So um, we'll see if that starts a trend toward the NHL too but um, it's hard to say one thing too you'd mentioned hub cities I know uh, today that it wasn't officially announced by the NHL but uh, pretty much confirmed by like the Penguins themselves and someone close to the Dallas Stars both said that uh, Pittsburgh and Dallas are out as hub cities so yeah we're down to six I think we pretty much know that Uh, Pittsburgh had its highest uh, number of positive tests today uh, and yesterday I think the highest two-day number since the beginning of June, so they're they're kind of sliding back again, and obviously Texas is in a is in a tough spot right now. So, um, you know, that's that's no real surprise there, I guess. Unfortunately, I thought Pittsburgh made a lot of sense a few weeks ago, and then they didn't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, latest uh, reports were down to six six spots. There's uh, three. In- Three in the states: L.A., Las Vegas, and Chicago, and then the three Canadian cities are still on the table with Vancouver, Edmonton, and Toronto. There's a few people um, that have reported like they're mostly in the Vancouver media, but I want to say like John Shannon said it too the other day um, that Vancouver is essentially a lock. So it's just kind of down to what other city they're gonna they're gonna do. Do, do you think so they we'll would see. go? Two Canadian hub cities, like you know what I mean? Like if the mm. border issue isn't an issue, does yeah. That- almost make more sense I, um well I it, it makes more sense in having two hub cities in in two different countries like uh, no matter what that just doesn't that doesn't make any sense compared to where we're at so it should probably be two american cities or two canadian cities but yeah i don't know it's it's not impossible uh again toronto has not really made any positive strides but um whatever that, that, mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be stopping any of this at this point so some some more tough headlines, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, it seems like every week we do the podcast, there's some big social issue that we got to kind of address, and rightfully so. It, it's it's uh, I, I think part of the I don't know if duty is the right word, but you know responsibility, so to speak, of of having a a podcast, and especially one that deals in hockey and uh, Daniel Carcillo and uh, Eric Guest. Uh, both came out and made some pretty big accusations uh, uh, this past week, uh, both their time spent in the uh, CHL, and uh, a lot of the focus was on um, the treatment of uh, you know rookie players and, and the hazing that's involved. And um, one of those things that I I, I want to say we touched on a little bit last season, 
on the podcast. It's come um, up a few times here and there. For yeah, sure. it's one of those things. Like the the idea of hazing is it's it's tough because it's a it's a word that can mean different things. Like in this situation, the the hazing that they're describing is is really disgusting and 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 tough to read. Honestly, when you go through the article, um, but I've been a, I've been a part of you know situations where the hazing has been almost enjoyable. Like you know what I mean? Like the it's not an embarrassing thing. It's not a humiliating type of situation. There's no assault going on, like like's being reported by Carcillo and Guest. Sure, um, but it, it's something that is definitely a problem, and it it needs to be addressed and it needs to be resolved. And I I don't I don't know how they're going to go about doing it, but it, it has to happen. Um, essentially, at the end of the day, Daniel Carcillo came out and and he talked about um, his experience and. Um, I, I don't really want to get into the specifics because, like I said, like some of these some of these stories are not only lengthy but well, yeah, there's very, no very there's, tough to read. There's no way that we have time to address it. Um, like, sorry, it, it, to do them justice, I guess. Uh, what I would mm-hmm. say is, if you're curious, it's 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 if you want to do reading into some of the specifics, there's a ton of articles out there. I mean, the the main sort of story stemmed from uh, Ken Campbell's article on the Hockey News on Friday. He he was the first guy to kind of um, just go into detail and actually talk to Carcillo specifically and, and uh, yeah, just lay out what exactly happened. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but, but, but the main thing is here um, is not so much the specifics as much as it is for us to just sort of say that it's bad enough that... Um, the OHL needs a complete overhaul in terms of um, a lot of the people that are at the helms of a lot of teams. And the problem is going to be who do all these people answer to? Because, you know, the commi- the commissioner, there's just no way that commissioner after commissioner, because they've, they've had two, I think, in the last 15 years, right? The OHL specifically. See- the OHL, they just switched a couple seasons ago. Yeah. So. Re- regardless, like all I'm saying is that um, this is not a league problem, and it, and it's not a um, it's not a commissioner problem. This this is a hockey problem. This is a culture problem. It goes back to a lot of the shit that that we've talked about uh, for weeks now. It seems that this is finally all coming to light. Um, who are they going to have to answer to? That well, they can't answer to any of the commissioners because they are not doing a good enough job. They got to go. They all got to go. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, I wouldn't say owners, but a lot of general managers might need to get a boot too. Um, you know, I, I I sort of wonder what's going to happen now with with Mike McKenzie. Like, you know, this is thing after thing. We're talking about Kitchener Rangers here, and he's a guy in charge of the whole team. So you know what sort of happens there with him like i i'm not really sure um but no no matter what this is probably the biggest challenge that i think hockey's uh faced in my lifetime at this point is um we have to do something at this point and on a day-to-day basis i don't really know how the overhaul is going to look but it needs to be done somehow uh, and that's the problem, right? It's it. There's a lot of. It's easy to ask for change, but how how are you going to change it? 
and we all know what we want the end result to look like. We don't. We want basically the league to be the same product, but none of this shit happening behind closed doors. Uh, how do we get there? You need other people uh, in charge of these 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Uh, and where do those people come from? I, I don't know. Dan Carcillo is only one guy. What's he going to do, run the CHL? Pro- probably not, because there's other shit he can't do. So, you know, it's tough. Like, there's just a lot. Um, but I would say uh, to anyone listening who's familiar with it is just to... Uh, or who maybe isn't that familiar with it, to do some reading on it and form your own opinion. And I think the best way for us to do this is just to keep listening for now. And that'll probably help us think of a way to move forward that's going to that's gonna be able to, to do it. I mean, if, if they have to completely shut down the C- CHL, they, they might have to do that. I realize it sounds an insanely drastic, but um, that's... Like they got to do something. I don't really know what it is. Yeah, yeah. no, that, and that's just, like going back to the time we've spent in minor hockey and dealing with kids that are, for the most part, in the same age group as as the guys in in the story that. You know, sorry, not the stories, but you know the allegations that Carcillo has put forth. You know, it's it's it was downright appalling to read. Uh, especially when it talked about the, the involvement of the coaches and, yeah. and and stuff like that, like you know, like I, like I said, like when I said off the top about like the the hazing thing, like you know, make, making the rookies pick up the pucks at the end of practice is one thing. Uh, the well, the yeah, stories you see, and, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah. but the stories someone's got to do that, that but out, but no one needs to go into the bathroom no. and pick up fucking pennies with a group of naked guys. You know what I mean? No yeah. one needs to do that. Yeah. Like that's that's the difference. It, it, you can certainly have your own rookie rituals and stuff like that, but um, there's no real need to dehumanize these people. To to you know what I mean? Like to to completely degrade them is uh, we're not talking about fun hockey stuff. We're talking about uh, abuse. We're talking about bullying. We're talking about mm-hmm. a completely different thing here. So. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, like, and, and that's the other thing too. Like, you're never gonna get rid of bullies, you know. Like, as as a as a concept, we we try to, we we want to better people and you know you affect change in in our youths. But there's always gonna be a bully. Yeah, well, not, but what you, a bully doesn't need exactly. is the, say, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. The authority figure above him telling him that it's okay to bully. Yeah and do what he's doing. And that's where I really come down with this is, is I was, I was upset to read what happened. And at the, at the end of that, I could, I, I sat there and I said, well, you know what? There are fucking assholes. There, there, you know, kids out there that don't know what better. Mm-hmm. And they do these things. And then when you get to the part about the coaches and the GMs, you know, being notified of this and in some cases taking part, it, it totally yeah. changed my mood on the, on the entire article. And well, it was so difficult to, to read. To, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but I, but I, you know, I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example because it's the only, it's the, it's the only thing I can speak to is what I've done sure. and controlled. Is that when, when I became a head coach, my whole purpose was I wanted to do right to uh, the kids that that we had coached the year before, but weren't in charge of, where I didn't agree with the way that that team was handled and that that 
you know, those kids were handled. I wanted to do right for, for, in honor of those kids, but I also wanted to do right for myself and my teammates of the past where I didn't feel like I got the coach that I deserved because so many of the coaches I had were shitty for so many reasons. And I wanted to be the guy that I wanted to be the coach that I never had the privilege to play for. Right. So that's what I Mm -hmm. wanted. Now, my point is that at some point, a general manager needs to step in, take over a team. Let's say Kyle Dubas takes over the, the Greyhounds. He's a young he's a young guy at the time, but let's say he takes over the Greyhounds when he did. And he knows that this stuff is going on. It's up to him to take aside the kids that he brings back the next year and says, you need to be the leader for these kids that you didn't get. Because so often we hear the, uh, we hear the bullshit, well, this is what I did. This is what I went through when I played. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean you need to take revenge on guys that had nothing to do with it. With with when you were 16, these fucking kids were 12 years old. And now you're going to treat them the same fucking... Like, what did that 12-year-old kid fucking do to you? You didn't know him. It doesn't make it right to pass it on generation to generation just because that's how you were fucking treated. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with anything. Just because things are the way that they are doesn't mean they have to fucking stay that way. And it's up to general managers, coaches, everyone. When you take over a team and you find out things are that way. Like, look, my, my coaching career uh, didn't fucking take off for the, the way that I thought it would. I kind of hope to be coaching in the OHL at this point. Not even fucking close. Not even coaching uh, minor hockey at this point. But if I were there, even at, at my age or younger, I don't think I could have stepped into a situation where that was going on and just let it fucking happen. I, I just don't. I don't think I have that in me. And so what... What would I have done? Well, I would have tried to change it, and it, it, I would have gone one of two ways. I would have changed, or I would have gotten fired. And mm-hmm. and I'd be sitting here talking into this microphone anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's tough. And, you know, I, I applaud those that are, you know, searching for change, and they're, they're making the efforts to, 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 you know, better themselves. Because, look, look, these, again, like I mentioned, these, these are young guys. Like, some of these guys are going to make mistakes, and boy they're big mistakes for sure but you know as, as like daniel carcillo has had a rocky past and, and he's stri- striven to make his his life better and he's apologized and he's reached out and i i was happy to see that there were uh you know a couple couple former teammates of his and, and former guys from the you know ohl that issued apologies and and you know they can say that 15 20 years later you know their actions weren't right and it doesn't change things it doesn't really help things it just it it shows that it's possible to yeah. you know lead a better life well, despite those and things and here's the thing right like you talk about like everyone bitches about cancel culture and all shit like that and you know there's something to be said for someone doing something shitty and uh, and us canceling them I, I can't think of a better word i didn't want to use that word but you know it's what they do afterwards that that speaks the most right and and here's the thing the difference with carcillo uh, with all these other guys that did shitty stuff in their past is carcillo is now essentially dedicating his fucking life to trying to make things right you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. and like you know people want to blast him and say like he's doing it for different reasons i really don't care what his fucking reasons are as long as he's trying to help you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't. I don't mm-hmm. care what he thinks when he goes to bed at night. I don't really don't give a shit. How does that affect anything? If he legitimately wants to do this, 
and he wants to put as much fucking work into it as possible, then I think he should. And that seems to be what he's doing. Because at first, he kind of just would tweet stuff, and it was like, okay, like, whatever, buddy. And But now, he's actually, like, getting into the trenches and doing some stuff here. And uh, that's what I think the difference is, is maybe not a model human being in his past, but he's doing everything right now to try to affect change. And I think, I, I, I applaud him, I think it's great. I think... Um, you know, as time goes on, I'm hoping that his image softens and that uh, people feel more comfortable to approach him on a regular basis. And again, perhaps he becomes uh, some sort of an ambassador for uh, a league out there or, you know, in charge of something that helps to avoid this shit from, from happening in the future. I don't know if he has it, what it takes to be a commissioner, but something close to it, maybe, you know at least get involved in, in that level of change, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, he can only do so much from where he is. He's at a, a higher platform than most. I'd like to see him make the next step, and then the next step, and the next step. And and like like you said, I, I don't know about Commissioner, but if, if even if he can get in that sphere where he's discussing with Commissioners and, and, and those types of people, that's, that's the way to do it. So, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, like we said, reach out, do some research, read up on that. It's it's I like I've said, it's it's a tough read, but it's it's one that I think a lot of people need to have and 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 get through and, and understand the whole thing. It's worth mentioning uh, too, just again, level. you know, I don't want to go detail by detail here, but if you're if you're not really sure what to look up, obviously Dan Carcillo and his uh, his article um, or the article about him on the hockey news that Ken Campbell wrote. Uh, you can also Google Eric Guest. Don't really want to get into that story too much because that's just... There's nothing to say. It's just a horrible thing that happens. So uh, Google Eric Guest, another guy too, Brock McGillis, who um, spoke out. I, I mentioned him last week, and he spoke out uh, shortly after Daniel Carcillo did this because McGillis has kind of become the guy that everyone now, like Akeem Alou, is going to turn to and be like, well, what do you think about this? And Brock McGillis basically said, like, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. Like, he's like, I didn't didn't see anything like that when I played in the OHL, but I don't fucking, I don't doubt it at all, you know? Switching uh, switching gears here, we're going to get into uh, uh, a bit more of a lighthearted uh, few topics to, to close out, I suppose. Uh, one of the big ones is the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh, I realize that it is the end of June, and that that is a weird thing to talk about, but... Um, tomorrow is the, or I guess today, when you're listening to this, is the day that the uh, the committee is going to get together and make their decision. And um, I can't remember if it's going to come out tomorrow, the announcement, or if it's going to just be when they decide and they'll, they'll announce it later. But regardless, they're getting together, the discussion's on the table. Now this this and, normally uh, happens in April, right? I'm not no, wrong? No, it's, it's usually in June. Really? I have no recollection just, of this ever happening in June before. I feel yeah, I think it just gets overshadowed by the awards and okay. the draft and shit. I know something Hockey Hall of Fame happens in April, but I can't think of what that is. I always thought it was this though. But hmm. anyway. Yeah. Uh so yeah, we're 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 thought since they're gonna get together and talk, we would get together and talk and, and try to figure out who is joining Jerome McGinley in the Hall of Fame in twenty twenty. Uh because uh, uh I think it goes without saying Jerome McGinley slam dunk first ballot hall of famer uh, would you agree yeah i mean yeah i like the funny thing is with aginla is like th- this is this is where things have have kind of come to right is now in a few years we're going to kind of get to this point where we're going to evaluate 
the criteria a little bit differently. But you kind of have to evaluate Jerome McGinley based on what the criteria was when he played. I, like, if you've never seen him play and you look at his numbers, they're, they're really nothing spectacular season by season. It's the totals, right? That's the difference, I think, is the fact that it's 600 fucking goals. He had 1,300 points. You look at his season by season, it's like, well, he got, yeah, he got 50 twice. So did Danny Heatley. You know, <laughs> like, like in reality, like, it's nothing spectacular. But I also had the benefit of watching him play. I also have the benefit of having context of his career to know that he never fucking played with a super elite center. So to do what he did uh, and to watch him on a night-by-night basis, yeah, he was fucking awesome. Like He's for sure a slam-dunk Hall of Fame first ballot. Um, but he would be a guy where, like, if for some reason the selection committee were a bunch of younger guys and didn't really watch him that much, like, they're, they're, the numbers don't really support it completely like you know what i mean it's just it's not like a slam dunk i'm saying but uh i'm familiar with jerome mcginless so yeah 100 percent slam dunk first ballot like what are we talking about i i agree with what you're saying on on paper you look at it and it's not that impressive but i i always go back and i look at the you know those late 90s early 2000 years that that you know not a lot of guys are putting up plus 90 season, uh, point seasons. And... Well, well, sure, but but here's my point, right? Is like, Alfredson's on year four, and Alfredson, like, probably season by season had, like, I would say probably a better points percentage uh, in the early 2000s. The difference was he fucking played with Alexi Yashin and, uh, <laughs> like, Jason, Jason Spezza, Spezza and Danny, Danny Heatley, the aforementioned, and had, like, Chara and Redden and, like, you know, like, yeah. like the Flames had effectively uh fucking nobody other than like who who's the second best forward they had in the 2000s damon lankow craig conroy i would go lankow that so what are we talking about nothing great (laughs) you know past his prime old Jokinen. um yeah yeah um so I, I think we both got a couple of names on our list uh i will add that the athletic put out a very interesting article that uh um they dove into their NHL department led by Eric uh, Duhachek. Yeah, you're struggling um, with that. It's Eric Duhachek. Duhachek? Yeah. Duhachek? Duchak Scrap? Duhachek? But if it's easier for you, just say Duhachek. That's fine. So Eric wrote an article on The Athletic. <laughs> um, Mr. D. <laughs> and uh, so he used to be on the Hockey Hall of Fame committee. He got a bunch of guys that write for the NHL, uh, and ladies, I should say, uh, together. And, and they kind of went through the process of, of doing it. And he detailed the entire, you know, formula that they, they, they use to, to do the whole thing. Fantastic read. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure The Athletic is doing a, a free thing right now, so you can go read it and, and follow along. Yeah, Real quickly, I just of, thought uh, I would... laced up a hockey podcast brought to you in part <laughs> by uh, The Fucking Athletic, you know? Yeah, that's uh, that's where I write now. Yeah, imagine, imagine, go, check, go la- check him out. Didn't last week I was like I might be working on something else. Imagine this week I was like, yeah, I'm Bruce Battaglia, the fucking athletic. You know, use cool. promo code laced up to watch your computer do absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> Type in I promo just thought, code laced up in just into Google and see what happens. Probably fuck ooh. all. I thought I would just run run through real quick the the, the few candidates that the athletic team kind of came up with and, and nominated. So on the players' side, on the on for the males, they uh, they had Daniel Offordson, Theo Fleury, Sergey Gonchar, Marion Hossa, Aginla, like we talked about, Steve Larmer, 
Vinny LeCavalier, Gary Lettinen, Kevin Lowe, McGilney, Keith Kachuk, Mike Vernon, Doug Wilson. Pretty interesting group. Um, the female players, they had Jennifer Botterill and Natalie Darwitz. And in the builder category, they had Francois Allaire, who was nominated twice, oddly enough. Apparently that is legal. Uh, Red Berenson, Cassie Campbell, Paul Henderson, Bill Hunter, Mitch Korn, Mike Marson, and Victor Tikhanov. Uh, a very diverse list that they kind of came up with. It was a fun read. Go check it out. Um, but before you go check it out, maybe check out what we have to say because we're gonna we're gonna give you our thoughts on uh, on the hall of fame and and who we think is is getting there so well like i said we both have a ginla i assume yeah okay okay yeah we'll, we'll start with players yeah no i i again for sure is the first name on my on my ballot 100 percent. fair enough now now um, it should it should note i don't know if you specified it but i i think technically they are sticking moving forward they're gonna try to stick for stick with uh four male players one female player and a builder, I believe, is what they're trying to do from now on. Or so, are they are they still a little loose on that? the The article seems to seems to say that it's a little loose. Okay. Um, how it's worded? I in, went I guess, for the one bylaws. and one anyway, but but right. So did I. I'm not. I'm like like it should be noted. I mean, we we talked about it last season when we talked about the Hall of Fame. But I guess you and I haven't really talked about the Hall of Fame since like November at the at the latest. Is that um, you know I'm I I understand it's a business, but I still think of it as like I still think of it as a hard thing to get into. I'm not saying it's not anymore, but you know there's such, I do believe in the argument of the Hall of Fame versus the Hall of Very Good, where there's guys that just had like a really good career, but they're not like an elite. You know they're they're not separate from the pack for a certain reason, and I sure. think when you're in the Hall of Fame, there needs to be a defining. There needs to be something that you did that almost no one else did, I think, in a way. You know what I mean? Because when you're going stall to stall and looking at all the people that are in the Hall of Fame, like, I would want, if I had a kid, which I don't plan on having any, uh, to tell my kid specifically what this guy was so good for. You know what I mean? And to stand there and be like, well, Dave Andrichuk was good because he fucking, uh, you know, he played for a million years. It's like, well, that's not great. Like, oh, yeah, he wasn't great. Like, Dave Andrzejczyk, very good. Nothing amazing. Specifically, like, worth noting, because, like, he was the captain of the Tampa Bay Lightning when they won the Cup. Does anyone fucking remember that? <laughs> Fuck, I forget he was on that team. I remember Fedotenko before I remember Andrzejczyk. <laughs> anyway, basically what I'm saying is that, um, yeah, my, my criteria was pretty uh, harsh. There, There's definitely some guys that I think have a, a harder case... Uh, 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 for them than than against them, but um, yeah, I went I went for um, NHL players, or sorry, for male players. And then one's definitely not NHL, uh, but I have a Ginla, I have Marion Hosa, I have McGilney, and I have uh, Boris Mikhailov, who I believe when we did our top ten of um, players that should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, I think we did it in November. Uh, McGilney and Mikhailov were 100% on mine. I think Mikhailov was like 8th or ninth, and McGilney was I'm probably 1st. I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, those would be my four male players anyway. Yeah. And j- just to answer your question, I, I know you can do up to four players. You can have up to two women, and you can have up to two builders. It just all depends on how okay. the, the votes kind of shake down. 
Um, you're right though. Like they they try to aim for four one and one. Sure. There's years where it's it's different. But well, if we're talking four male players, those are my guys. Okay, so I uh, I've got three of the same. I went again, McGillney and Hosa as well. Um, uh, and then I I got a little weird, and I'm gonna I'm gonna admit I got a little weird. And and I think if we're this the when when you look at the Hall of Fame, I I think there's people like you that that look at it and it should be a little bit more strict in terms of its criteria for getting in. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's my view on it, which is. Um, I don't really give a shit about the Hall of Fame. It's it's a cool concept. I love going. It's cool as sure. fuck. Like it, it, like sure. going there is awesome. But yeah, you're right. Like 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 Sundin's the only guy in my lifetime where I would have been like, well, actually, not even Saint Louis is probably the only guy in my lifetime where I would have been like outraged if he didn't get in. Other than that, I don't really care who does or who doesn't get in. Yeah. Um, so my, my approach to it was, uh, whatever you've done up to this point is on the table. And if you're going to allow guys like Guy Carboneau into the hall of fame, uh, (laughs) you know what? Let's put Yuri Lettinen in the hall of fame. Um, the guy, you know, I think he helped pave the way for hockey in Dallas and yada, yada, yada. He's got all the Selkie trophies, a fantastic defensive forward. Well, he doesn't have the numbers. Well, that's because he was a fantastic defensive forward. Uh, so yeah. that's my fourth guy, Gary Lutton. I, I would note, um, actually, and it's funny because I am very much on the, I do think Marion Hosa is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I'm not, like, I don't say it like a lot of people do where it's like, you know, like if he doesn't get in, it's fucking, what, what is wrong? Like he's a slam dunk. Like he's not a slam dunk. He was the fourth guy I added to my list. I actually had Rod Brindamore before him. Um, but Brindamore, I think maybe gets in eventually and maybe not even as a player, but, uh, I, I just, I think Hosa has a better case as of right now. So Hosa's a tough one. Um, Hosa is a very tough one because Hosa is a guy who, um, Hosa will be the first and especially if he gets in this year, I think it kind of changes the way people are going to look at the hall of fame. Because Hosa's the first guy that will get in who was pretty much an analytics darling. Like, when you look at his on-paper stats, um, who would I compare him to? Like, when you look at his just, like, point totals and games and stuff like that, uh, Daniel Alfredson would be the guy who I would compare him to. Daniel Alfredson's not a guy I'm voting for this year. Uh, The difference is that Hosa had, like, incredible possession numbers every season, everywhere he went. Uh, played in incredibly different scenarios. He played on the first line. He played on the third line. Uh, he got benched a little bit in Ottawa when he was, uh, I'm just going to say it, their best forward. And, um, yeah, like, he just had a super fascinating career. The one thing with Hosa, but this shouldn't detract his case, because we're never going to know, and you shouldn't punish a guy for this, is he never played on a bad team like the worst team he played on were like a little bit the senators and the thrashers were not great when he was there but they played his style of hockey so he got that was like offensively his best time in his career so even his worst stop was like actually the thing that maybe puts him over the top and gets him into the hall of fame ironically but he never really played for a bad team other than like the blackhawks at the end too and um arguably maybe a guy who was a benefit of who he played with i i i don't know but we can't make that argument and another thing is like i said like going back to aginla i had the benefit of watching marion hosa since like his third year in the league maybe even maybe even earlier than that 
and uh, I can tell you the guy has been phenomenal forever. Like he, he was just great from day one till the end, and I think he deserves to be in because he's he's a really good defensive forward. He just never he's a winger, and was never thought of as a defensive forward because um he got too many points sometimes. So, right. <laughs> my my thing with Hosa he got Selkie and... votes, just not a ton. Not a ton. Um, he was only ever a postseason All Star once in his career on the yeah. second team. It, it, that is a bit of a tough one. Um, I think. And did uh, someone say too? Like he only he only like played in the actual All Star game one time. I couldn't. Tell I you just that. I just I, don't see that how that's wild. even possible. But I thought I heard that. But you would think he would be the Atlanta representative <laughs> at least three of those years. Well, but they they still had Kovalchuk, you know. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, and Mark Savard. Like they were, they were. There was no reason that team should have been as bad as they were, other than the other sixteen players. My, my thing with the all with the Hall of Fame though is, if like I, I know I just said I don't give a shit about it. I don't give a shit about it because of how it's been handled. If they were handling it how they should be, mm-hmm. my my criteria for a guy getting in is, was he ever the best player in his position in his era? And I don't think Marion Hosa ever was. He might have been the second for a couple seasons, but he was never like the best right winger in the NHL at any point in his career. There does have so, to be exceptions to that, I think, though, right? Some because I do think uh, I do think even though I'm not voting for him this time around, like I do think Curtis Joseph belongs in the Hall of Fame. But the problem with Curtis Joseph is that he was never better than maybe the third best goalie in the league. But that's also because he played with you know, in an insane era for goalies. And also on some bad teams, which also is another mm-hmm. thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but goalies are they're not hockey players, they're a different breed. <laughs> so okay, so there should I, be, I, I see there your should point, be four though. players, one goalie, one Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goalies are the actually goaltenders builders. Hall of Fame. Yeah. No, I, I, I get your point. There's definitely exceptions for, for every case. But like I said, like, Marion Hosa, he's, he's a guy, I think he's going to get in. He's, you know, he's got the 500 goals. He's got the 1,000 points. Like, he's going to get in. He's got the three cups. He was a Blackhawk, and the NHL loves their Blackhawks. So, um, I just don't know if it's a clear-cut case that he should be. He's going to be. That's the end of my, you know, where I come down at it, I guess. Sorry, so who you, do you have for the... You were again, oh, sorry. Hosa, McGillney, and who? Yuri Lettinen. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. just to watch yeah. the world burn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think one thing, too, like a lot of... I, I know a lot of people, younger younger people, but even listeners to the podcast are not really familiar with Alexander McGillney. Uh, just so everyone knows, like uh, most of his booming offense did come in one season when he scored 76 goals, but he was a pretty consistent player like most of his career. He was really good until the end. Retired for a reason that we're not really sure, but we're kind of sure it was like his back, but no one really knows like 100% what happened there. Um, but McGillney was, is noted for being the first Russian player to defect to the NHL, which I think uh, should have put him that in alone. automatically his first time he was eligible. He should have just gotten in by fucking default. Shouldn't have been a conversation. Uh, but for those of you who aren't aware, the the selection committee uh, doesn't really like fucking uh, Russians, so that's why I got two. I guess th- that's why I got two, actually three Russians on my ballot. So I guess the argument in that case might be, however, like do you, if 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 he's going in for the merits of being the guy that defected from Russia, does it go in in the builder category? 
Because I well, think that's where you put him okay, for that reason. But I actually do think like his NHL career is enough to put him in anyway. I'm uh, just saying and like I, th- I think that's where the hesitation came was the committee went, yeah, okay. he's probably in as a builder, but we want to put him in as a player. Sure, but we don't know if he can. Right I mean, now. like at the end of the day, like again, like we talked about, it's just a fucking business. Like if you want to put him in as yeah. a builder slash player, just give him a bigger fucking plaque. Like I don't know, mm-hmm. just make his plaque fucking huge. Like I don't know. Build him a statue. Who gives a shit? He's fucking awesome. Like, he's great. He should be in the fucking Hall of Fame. Olympic gold medalist. Fucking world junior gold medalist. World championship gold medalist. Stanley Cup champion. Fucking, like, eight-time all-star. Like, 100%. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. I agree. Uh, who do you have for the ladies getting in, Brutes? Was also voted the 83rd greatest Maple Leaf of all time. Uh, my, my, my lady is Jennifer Botterill. Um... This is one area where it is a little bit tough, and I will readily admit that there is a little bit of Canadian bias because I probably would have gone Kim St. Pierre next, but there are some good American options, Jenny Potter being one of them, but uh, I I went Jennifer Botterill. 340 points in 113 games played at the NCAA uh, for Jennifer Botterill. Jesus Christ. Um, I I also took Jennifer Botterill. Um, Just... She's a Hall of Famer. Fan. It just it might not oh, be yeah. this year, but she's for sure a Hall of Famer. So, like uh, when first I first scoring champion of the CH, uh, CWHL, a two point per game average in that league. Like like when I think offensive juggernaut Canadian Olympians of all time, she's like really high on the list too. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. she's like one of the first names that comes to mind. Like you know, Wickenheiser, Cassie Campbell, probably Jeff Potter else the third name for me like honestly mm-hmm. that's the era I grew up watching them right so yep uh what is it three-time Olympic gold champion five-time world gold champion mm-hmm. uh yeah just a, a fantastic piece of those dominant dominant Canadian women's teams and uh yep I, I think I think she should be the one that gets in and I guess we'll find out if uh, the committee feels the same yeah uh your builder Builder's a, an interesting one because al- oh, it's tough. although I feel very strongly that this guy is 100% a Hall of Famer, there's no questions to be asked, uh, I also really like the Builder category because I think I think this is one that it's just hard to argue against a lot of the guys that are ever going to get in as a Builder. They've been really tough to put people in as a Builder. Like, there's not a lot of Builders in there. Um, and I'm hoping... You know, like guys like Doug Wilson and shit get get recognized eventually. Um, but for sure, for me, it's just there's no questions asked. He's a Hall of Famer. Is Victor Tikhanov for me? Um, that was it. Was just a super easy one. But what I'm saying is, I think that category there's a lot of good options too. It's just this is one guy I feel 100% should be in there. Uh, that's a, a very interesting. Uh take for a guy that played 111 games in the NHL uh, you know he's still only 32 years old he might come back and you know finish it off but uh, that's, a, that's a bold call are you, for sure. are you looking uh, at his son perhaps or oh his grandson yeah, Victor yeah, Tikhanov yeah, or grandson okay yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah I see where where I got confused yeah, yeah Victor Tikhanov that's a strong choice um, uh, definitely a guy that I think he's going to get there um, I'd, I'd I hear a lot of stories about uh, him pissing a lot of people off over the years. So uh, hopefully enough time has gone by uh, in, in the near future that maybe some of those people that he pissed off are no longer with us and, and some some new ears will give him a, to, a, a chance. To hell but, with those bastards. Yeah. Uh, I went Francois Allaire. 
Um, yeah, again, like, I honestly hadn't even considered it till you mentioned it earlier, and then I kind of thought, that actually is a, it's an interesting pick. He might be a guy, I mean, depending, like, I don't know, I haven't read that article. He would be a guy I wouldn't think is, like, super immediate, but here is a case to be made. He's a Hall of Famer, for sure. Yeah, he's been in the NHL coaching the best of the best in terms of goaltenders since 1986, uh, the same year uh, that uh, a certain Patrick Waugh showed up on the uh, scene. Um, Three-time Cup champion, uh, won a Calder Cup in the AHL level in his lone appearance. Uh, Just, just a legend of of the of the position. You know, uh, I I don't know. I can't find anywhere in, in if it, you know, if he was player before his coaching career but um just a a phenomenal mind of of the sport and uh you know twice named goaltending coach of the year which i didn't realize was a thing (laughs) but um he was the guy in an era when big goalies were not a thing that he was able to make them a thing like patrick waugh was one of the biggest goalies in the league during his whole career probably i would imagine uh and then uh, he leaves Montreal, both Waugh and Allaire. And then Allaire goes to Anaheim for 13 years, and he works with John Sebastian Jaguer and, and you know what I mean, like a few other bigger goalies over the years. And uh, goes to Toronto, works with John Sebastian Jaguer and fucking, you know, like uh, Jonas Gustafson, James Reimer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, And, and not to say that, you know, those are comparable to Waugh and... Uh, Jaguar, but I th- I think Alaire actually did a good job with Gustafson, with Reimer, you know, in Toronto, and and then finished off his career in Colorado over the last few years. Where, again, Varlamov, uh, another guy, right? So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good, it's an interesting case. I would have never considered him till today, but uh, technically does have three Stanley Cup rings as well as a goalie coach. So, five. Vesna trophies by my count that he was you know the goalie coach for the year that the guy won the Vesna so yeah it's pretty yeah, crazy like I said just just an incredible mind of the of the position in the sport and I uh, guess te- uh, technically again. a con Smythe too very true yeah <laughs> well two did Wa get it yeah Nin- Wa got 93 90, I guess 93 yeah yeah there you go interesting Francois there that's a good one um yeah okay I'm gonna quickly all fantastic just... picks. All, all, all guys I think should be in. So, okay, yeah. So that's uh, that's our two cents on the Hall of Fame. Whether you agree with it or not, we don't really care. It's our podcast. Uh... Uh, it's nice to hear that one come back. Yeah, that's that's good. It's been a while. Uh, weird debate took place on Twitter last week. Um, I don't know where it stemmed from. I don't really know the the reason behind it. Uh, okay, some... so so one so one guy from Senators Twitter, which like I don't know for those of you who are not on uh, Twitter and for those of you who don't follow any like hockey fan Twitters or anything like that. I used to never follow Leafs Twitter, but in the last year or so, I kind of got involved just because there actually are a lot of cool people on there. So I I, I like following them because there's a lot of good like jokes about the Leafs and shit like that that I. I enjoy so so I've I've kind of got that but but every fan base kind of has their own sort of just like all these like fans follow each other and are kind of viewed as like sort of the the people who do the talking for the fan base on Twitter right so this guy from Senators Twitter tweeted out that uh that just like Alfredson's better than Sundin 
And it's it's not even a fucking contest or something he tweeted out. This guy is notorious, though, for tweeting out stuff just to get people going. Like, he's just, like, a shit disturber. He thinks it's funny. So, like, I even replied to him. I'm like, I don't even agree with you, but this is fucking hilarious. Like, I thought it was, I thought it was so funny. Um, but, yeah, so I guess people got a little heated about that because, you know, I think that was kind of the goal. Yeah. Um, again, I agree with you. One of those things I saw and thought it was pretty funny. Wasn't really sure about the origin story. Glad you could provide some in, uh, you know, context on that. Kind of makes the whole uh, whole notion of the thing a little, a little funnier. Um, but I, I thought, you know what, instead of having the debate... You know, instead of talking about Sunday and versus Alfredson, let's revisit uh, something we did a, uh, a few episodes ago, and let's let's do a Sweden player Mount Rushmore. So the four mm-hmm. greatest players from Sweden, uh, in our opinions, and and maybe maybe this this will simply answer the question for us as to whether or not we think uh, Alfredson is better than Sunday or not. Okay. Um, would would you care to go first, sir? Uh, like, do you, do you want all four of my guys, or just, like, do you want to go one by one, or how do you, how you want to do this? Yeah, give me your, give me your four. Yeah, my four, uh, Swedish, Swedish hockey, around uh, Mount Rushmore, it's kind of a tough one, because, like, again, when you're, like, it's almost a similar argument to the Hall of Fame, um, if you want to talk about guys who are, like, famous for one thing, uh, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but you could have gone with the Swedish guy that played in the 60s who was, like, far and away the first Swedish hockey player. Like, no one came after him for, like, eight years or something like that. So, like, that's pretty cool. You could go, like, like the first Swedish stars, like Kent Nilsson or, or Mats Nasland or Thomas Steen or wherever you want to go with it. Um, but I didn't. I, I went genuinely the four best hockey players that I think have ever played in the NHL from Sweden. Uh, and those, for me... Um, and no one really even came close after these four is Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Nicholas Lidstrom, Peter Forsberg, and Matt Sundin. And the problem is, is like, you know, I could have put one of the Sedins on because it's like putting two of them on because they look the same and I can't tell them apart. So I, but that's the thing. I wouldn't know which one's the better one to put on because um, I don't know the difference. So uh, the Sedins like were the only ones to me that came close, but... I like that. Pel- like, like in the spirit of like Pele, you could just put Sedin and don't have to specify which one it is. It's just their face. And it's up to you to decide, really. Yeah, like, like I mean, if you're carving it into a mountain, not, <laughs> it's all not really going to look like the fucking guy anyway. It's only going to look so close, right? You ever seen a statue? Never looks like the fucking guy. Yeah, never. I'm seeing that's less and fa- less of those, by the way. But. That's my favorite thing about all those statues getting torn down is it's just like, yeah, whatever. This is like the worst fucking portrait of this guy possible. Who cares? Just mm. a bunch of fucking, you know, what's a statue made out of? Bronze? I, get, I think of? it's I think it's dependent upon the sculpture. Really, you could do a marble statue. You could I gotta do a, Google that. What are statues made out of? You could do a brass statue. I'm sure. Statues uh, are typically made any material capable of standing with or without reinforcement. Uh, typically made of. <laughs> well, I've seen I've seen stone, uh, metal such as. Bronze, copper, brass, paper gold, mache, iron. So we were both kind of right. This is kind of like when we do the fish uh, from from Airedale. <laughs> Every week, I'm going to be like, "So James, can you tell me what statues are made of?" Uh, oh, I should uh, speckleback stone. Uh, I should update that the interview with Slam and Sammy, the singing salmon, will not be taking place mm-hmm. uh, due to the COVID pandemic. Uh, we will try to get that interview to you, fine folks, yeah. later on, maybe perhaps in the fall. 
Yeah, I read an article the other day. Fish are extremely susceptible, so we... Yep. Yeah. They're definitely um, not uh, social distancing, those guys, for sure. To no great surprise, I have the same four on my list. Lidstrom, Lundqvist, really? Sundin, and Forsberg. Um, I mean, like, it's it's I, easy. I just, we don't normally agree on things like this, but I, I did think it was a pretty yeah. easy case for those four. I really wanted to get Salming on there somewhere because... I, I know the yeah I, I I'm with you there like I can't remember the guy's name from the from the 60s. Um, he didn't play long like he I don't even think he played a hundred games in the league yeah it's not really a big deal but and I I believe he was he was born in Sweden but like raised in Ontario and like learned to play oh, yeah. hockey there like like Salming was the first guy that was like trained in Sweden grew up in Sweden made the leap and uh, or if not the first like around the same time and you know was the most impactful. Uh, the numbers wow, are there, is... like he had a great career and everything, but just there can't really edge anybody out. There might be two uh, Swedish guys that played in the 60s, because this guy that I'm looking up, his name's Sh- Alf Sternoli. Sterner. Alf Sterner, and he played four games in the NHL, so I don't think this is the fucking guy I'm thinking of. But nice. I feel like the other guy had a more conventional name, like it, like it was almost like Nasland or something like that. But anyway, okay. keep going. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, really hard to leave uh, uh, Salming off the list, but... Four fantastic, you know, like Nicholas Lidstrom, a case to be made to as the second greatest defenseman of all time. Henrik Lundqvist, the greatest goalie of this generation. Uh, Peter Forsberg, probably the most skilled player at the time he played. He just could never stay healthy. And then Matt Sundin, who just he's he's got you know he's got the numbers like he's he is this the all time highest scoring Swedish player. So. You remember, like uh, you, you and I doing a, a, a trivia game a few we- like few months ago, I guess now weeks, months. I don't know. It's all the same. And uh, we're doing this trivia, and we never heard of this guy, and he turned out to be from Thunder Bay, and he had played fucking a thousand games in the NHL. We were looking at Leo Boyvin, right? You remember that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so the guy we were thinking of, uh, there actually was a guy in the '30s. I forgot he was in the '30s. I, I kept thinking it was closer to everyone else coming, but. Uh, the first Swedish NHL player played in the 30s. His name was Gus Forslund. Uh, I don't have the exact number of games that he played, but he played for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he grew up in uh, Port Arthur, Ontario, uh, and also lived in Fort William, Ontario for a while, and died in Geraldton, Ontario. So, I don't know, like, our local hockey knowledge seems to be pretty weak sometimes, but, uh, yeah. Played 48 games, uh, registering 13 points for the Ottawa that's exactly, that's exactly the guy I was thinking of, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I've never actually read his Wikipedia page from Thunder Bay. So, shout out the, to uh, Gus Forsland and, and any other uh, Forsland family members that might be listening to the podcast. He played for such notable teams as the Port Arthur Ports and the Fort William Forts. Uh, as well sure. as the Fort William Wanderers, uh, the Duluth Zyphers, and the Geraldton Gold Miners. So, yeah, mm. not not a great era for naming hockey teams in the local Thunder Bay region. Yeah, well, Port Arthur Ports better? and the Fort William Forts. Gus Forsland, what a guy! <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of trivia games, I got one for uh, for yourself, Mister Bruce. Oh fuck! I forgot I have to do this. Yeah. Oh, good. Great, all gonna right. have you. I'll have you mosey on over to the uh, Google spreadsheet that we mm. uh, that we've got going on, and yeah. I, I'll explain the game to the listeners while you do so. Um, I, as most of uh, people in North America are, you know, probably familiar. Uh, Price is Right was always a, a fond uh, a game growing up. Oh, do I get to play Plinko? Uh, no, uh, very hard to do on a podcast. Damn. <laughs> 
but uh, one one oh, game in... Oh, Brutes, you got, you got $10,000. Oh, fucking right. Oh, very fucking go, buddy. See you in the showcase. Um, one game that, uh, that came from Price is Right that inspires today's game is called the Five Price Tags Game. Brutes, are you familiar with the Five Price Tags Game? Um... Probably, probably. I, would I do watch so. a good maybe, amount. Maybe of them. not just, by name, but I, yeah, I, do, I can only remember the names of like. I don't even remember the name of the mountain guy one, the one with the yodeling. I don't even <laughs> know what that one's called. He was Swedish, I can tell you that. And that's, um, that's my well. I think he was Swiss. It was anyway. probably Swiss. Uh, so the idea of the five price tags game is that uh, the contestants are going to win a car. Now, Brutes, you're not going to win a car, but uh, what happens in the game is that uh, they they have the car and they get you know certain number of chances to guess the price of the car but they can earn more chances at the at the price of the car if if they correctly get other clues right based on smaller you know the quaker oatmeal price that that the grocery store and, and you know what i mean like the the smaller items you get those right you get more chances at the yeah, big price yeah i know price. that's uh, one of the games i'm good at because i worked in a grocery store for eight and a half years so there it is uh, so, so how my game works is uh, I'm going to give you seven trivia questions, okay. uh, and for every question you get right, you will get a clue uh, to a, a mystery player, um, and you can spend those clues that you earn on twelve different categories that I've I've laid out on our Google spreadsheet. You can you can probably see them in front of you. You've got mm-hmm. position, handedness their last or current team, the country of origin, the team that drafted them, their draft position, their draft year, the number of cups they won, their games played, their season high in points, or if they're a goaltender, wins, uh, the most frequent jersey number that they wore, and awards. Now, you uh, can guess multiple awards if you want to spend more uh, clues on awards and and focus on that, because maybe some guy won 10 awards. Okay, so if I ask if he won like like a Lady Bing or something... You're just gonna tell me that he won like three of them, but not if he won like a Selkie. That's uh, like I have to spend another clue to get the Selkie number or something. How does so, that work? So, so you'll ask for uh, give me an award, and I will give you one of their awards if they've won any. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you'll tell. Okay. Yeah. You'll. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Uh, there are a couple questions here where you can earn more than one point. So uh, I think I've got a maximum of 10 that you can win. Uh, there are 12 categories. It's up to you how you spend them. Do you have any questions before we get going here? No, I, I think it's pretty clear. Okay. I'm going to answer I, I, the question right. I get a point. There it is. Um, so before we go into it, I've got three players that you're going to try to guess at the end of this. Do you want player Jesus. A, B, or C? Uh, we'll go C. Okay. Player C. Steve Sullivan. Oh. <laughs> All right. Question one, Brutes. I'm going to start you off real easy, and these will get more tricky as we go. Question one. Who is the captain of the Vancouver Canucks? Uh, it is Bo Horvath. That's Bo Horvath. Bo Horvath is correct. It is Bo Horvath. Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got one correct uh, answer. Uh, question two. Who are the... Sorry, own- do I... I we're just going to... I get to spend my points at the end? You spend your points at the end. Okay. Okay. Question two. Who are the only two non-Canadians to appear in the top 15 for all-time points in the NHL? Jesus. Um, top 15 all-time points? Yep. Yarmir Yager. That's one of them. And... Hmm. Yarmir Yager second with 1,921 points. Non-Canadian... 
Uh, hmm, that is a tough one. I don't know who that second player was. I feel like it's really obvious, but I just can't. I just can't think past like the top five. Um, hmm. Someone Russian? Probably not. I'm just gonna go Matt Sundin. Interesting. Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, we were looking for Stan Makita. Hmm. I Fifth. fuck. I actually had no idea. Fifteenth with uh, one thousand four hundred and sixty-seven points. Okay. Sundin's okay. about a hundred back, so I, I wasn't too far off. But yeah, there you go. Uh, you've got two points out of t- a possible three. Uh, this is a big one. You, you can earn up to three points on this question. All right, so let's let's see how you do. Uh, the third question: Name any of the three teams to miss the playoffs the year after winning the President's Trophy. Oh fuck! After winning the President's Trophy, wow! It's only happened three times. Wow. Yeah, that's I don't know. That's a really tough one. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like I f- see. Like the funny thing is, you would think that would happen a lot in the salary cap era. Mm-hmm. But there's only two instances where I think it it might have happened. But it's hard because I'm thinking Stanley Cup champion more so. I have very little knowledge on the President's Trophy. Um, you could you could literally ask me to name it year by year, and I I don't even think I know who won it last year. Uh, oh wait, that's an easy one. Uh, <laughs> okay, the year before, uh, I'm gonna say that maybe like the Hurricanes after they won the cup there, oh seven Hurricanes, I maybe missed the playoffs, uh, or maybe won in- the Presidents Trophy. I mean, that is incorrect. I know they missed the playoffs, but yeah. Hmm. Let's go. Uh, maybe. Hmm. No, they didn't miss the playoffs. Got to be someone in the '90s, I'm thinking, but I just don't. I can't put my mm-hmm. finger on who that mm-hmm. might be. I mean, the trophy's only been around since 1982, so it's it's not yeah. a deep history. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I, like that's a thing, right? Like, I just can't see it being. I can't see there being a team in the '80s that it happened to, because I just assume every single year it was the Oilers or the Islanders. Uh, I suppose the Islanders could have won the President's Trophy before they really fucked off there. And everyone was dead. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's. I'm just gonna say the Islanders in like eighty, eighty five or whatever the fucking year was. Uh, the the Islanders are incorrect. I'll okay. give you one one more kick at the can here. Uh, what was the other team I had? I had another team in mind. Uh, let's let's go like uh, Penguins ninety four ish somewhere around there. Ooh, also incorrect, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, we were looking for the New York Rangers, who won the President's Trophy in ninety one, ninety two, then That's missed the playoffs. Right. Then won the Stanley Cup the next year. Uh, very much a roller coaster situation for them in the early nineties. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers from oh six oh seven. Oh yeah. And most recently, we were looking for the Boston Bruins, who missed uh, who missed the playoffs in 2015 hmm. despite winning the Presidents Trophy the year before. Okay. So you, you didn't get, you didn't pick up any points there, but uh, there's still some time to uh, to make up some ground. So yeah. Question four. What? Canadian band sung the 1995 song Gretzky Rocks. Are you fucking serious with this question? What was it? What's the song called? Gretzky Rocks. Is it a good band? Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy them. 
The only band I feel like could maybe do something sort of gimmicky like that. I'm just I'm just gonna guess Trooper. I I don't know. Hmm. Uh, we were looking for the Pursuit of Happiness. I don't even know who that is. So you've right. heard of the Pursuit of Happiness? Okay. Well, that's yeah, that's well, unfortunate. I'm familiar with the movie hmm. okay. and the song. All right. Uh, you got three questions left. Uh, we're looking for who the first American team in the NHL was to win the Stanley Cup. So the first American team was the Seattle Metropolitans, but they weren't in the NHL. We're looking for the first NHL American franchise to win the Stanley Cup. New York Rangers? That is correct. The New York Rangers from 1928. One of their four cups. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Question six, Brutes. Uh, Who was the highest scoring European player this season? Like the season that's no longer existing? Yes. Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, that is correct. I was uh, I was thinking maybe we'd trip you up and you'd go with uh, Artemi Panarin, perhaps. No, no. Because right. we spent so much time arguing about Dreisaitl last week, so I, oh, that's <laughs> I have fair. his stats fucking embedded in my head. That's fair. Um, all right, this is the last question. You've got four clues that you've earned to this point. Let's try to make it five. Uh, this is a tough one. This is the last question. It's a toughie. All right. Number of Stanley Cups won by Canadian teams since the country's centennial year in 1967. Number of Cups won by a Canadian team? Canadian teams since 1967. Five, six. 1967 counts as a year? No. Okay. I know that team was Canadian. Uh, <laughs> six, seven. Is that it? I guess. Yeah, I guess. Note: Canadian teams won in the last few years. I don't need to do mental math on the last <laughs> on the two thousands. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say seven. You want seven? Well, times. We're not talking about how many franchises have won it, right? We're talking about just how many how times many a Canadian Stanley teams Cups. Won it? Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to go seven Stanley Cups. I'm going to go seven. All right. That's fine. Final answer. The correct answer was 16. Since 60... Oh, fuck, I forgot about the Canadians in the 70s. They won a few <laughs> in the 70s, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, liter- I literally just started in the 80s and skipped the fucking 70s entirely. Cool. That, that'll happen. Um, all right, so you didn't get that one, but you've got four points to spend okay. on the five price tags game. Uh, what category... Would you care for first? Um, okay, so uh, who are these players? Like, how is there like they're just NHL players, kind of thing? I I, I picked three NHL players. Uh, you've heard of all of them. Okay, and it's okay. up to you no, to figure fine. out based I just on those know clues. If we were talking like fucking draft busts or any of that kind of shit. Um, I'm gonna go. I get four. You get four. I'm gonna go team that drafted. Do you want to take this one, one, one at a time, and I'll give you the answer as I post them? Sure. All right. So you you want the team that they were drafted by? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, for um, this particular player, player C, uh, he was undrafted. Wow. Okay, that significantly changes my next two questions. That's actually meant. Um, let's go undrafted. Yeah, that was like, like draft would have helped me a lot. So undrafted does not really do me a ton of favors here. Actually, uh, let's go last or current team. 
last or current team, that would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, and you're not going to tell me if they're currently playing, obviously. So No. Um, there's only so many undrafted players on the Leafs anyway. Uh... You know what? Let's go most frequently worn number. Most frequently worn jersey number Mm -hmm. for this player is 31. Oh, yeah. So it's either... Could be Pavel Kubina. Let's go go position. And the position is a goaltender. Okay. Um... Undrafted Toronto Maple Leaf goalie wearing 31. I think there's only one answer uh, that I can think of anyway. And uh, forgive me if he were drafted and I I am wrong, but I'm going to guess it is Curtis Joseph. That is correct. It is Curtis Joseph. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Finishing his career off with the Leafs. A a little bit of a a curveball. I wasn't sure if if we would remember his brief stint. The reason I thought uh, thought instantly about him finishing with the Leafs was because I actually wrote an article at the beginning of COVID about the 20 greatest moments of the last 20 years for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and one of them was that uh, shootout win where Cujo came, or, well, he came in and finished the game because whoever was the goalie at the time got hurt, and then, like, the mm. crowd was just going nuts because Cujo played, like, incredible, like, you know, his probably best hockey game at all since he right. left the Leafs, and yeah, but yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Well, there you go. You got uh, you got the player correct. Um, cool. uh, you're one for one on the. Uh, I don't have a name for it. Uh, just call call it the price tag game, the carry price, price tag, tag game, game, I guess. Okay. Uh, and I'll game. keep those other players, and we'll we'll try to get down the road sometime. Oh, okay. I thought we had to do all three here, so that's why ah. I was kind of rushing it. But nope. I'll, um, I'll hang okay. on to them. Cool. No, I would. Yeah, I would prefer you did. Okay. Well, that leaves us with our uh, top ten. The top ten's back. The return of the top, top ten. ten. Top ten. Top, top ten. ten. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know if I honestly don't even know if we've done a top ten since uh, since quarantine started, and we maybe so. did one last week, and I just can't remember because uh, all the days blend together. So <clears throat> it's a sign did, that things are returning to normal. We did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did top ten Denzel Washington movies in April, as well as top ten favorite stand-up comedians. Uh, on March 31st. You know what I was thinking about, too? Our last, like, happy episode, like, pre-COVID world, uh, was episode 71. The episode was called Mucus Laden. And our, our top ten was uh, minor hockey memories. And it was, like, probably my favorite top ten we've done. And then everything happened. So, good stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, no, this week uh, we're doing our top ten favorite Metallica songs. The reason I decided this was because... Um, well, James and I kind of alternate picking who does the what we do for top 10 slash uh, favorite, least favorite, overrated, underrated nowadays. And the reason I figured this is because we uh, talk about Metallica quite a bit on the podcast, I think, uh, when music comes up. But specifically, they were one of our final bands on the uh, the rock band final uh, list. bracket episode. So th- they, they were there. Um, so I figured it would just, it's just natural for us to maybe talk about something that we, uh, talk about a lot and kind of hammer it out on the top 10. It's perfect time for it. So cool. Top um, 10. The re the reason I wanted to do top 10 is because I can't pick a least favorite Metallica song. Uh, there, there are many that I hate, but I just can't publicly admit to it other than, uh, with James via text. So I, I refuse to badmouth the band. Fair enough. Um, 
I'll, I'll kick things off. Uh, my sure. number ten favorite Metallica song is "The Call of Cthulhu" from Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful instrumental piece. Uh, the yeah. only instrumental piece that will appear on my list. I, I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah, honestly, uh, I was close to putting two on there, and uh, neither of them were that one, which is interesting. I do really like Orion, and uh, I'm a, I, I do like their uh, their Ecstasy of Gold, uh, Ennio Morricone's uh, song that they did there, but... Mm. Um, say la vie, I did not put it. Uh, honorable mention goes to And Justice for All from the 1988 album And Justice for All. Uh, great song. I, I honestly, the funny thing is, is I have, I think, a bunch of songs from one album on this list, and I would still say that And Justice for All is my favorite Metallica album, despite this being the only song that appears on the list, and it doesn't actually appear on the list. So, I don't know. It's a great album. It's just, it doesn't have, like, standalone songs, really. It's just a. You have to listen to it front to back, I find, and Justice for All, but um, that would be my favorite song on said album, and it almost made the top ten. But my number ten is Don't Tread On Me from their 1991 uh, album uh, called Metallica, or also referred to as the Black Album. So There you go. Uh, my number nine is uh, The Unforgiven from Metallica, hey. or the Black Album. Same. Nice. That's my number nine. It was higher, and then I listened to it, and I'm like, ah, I gotta move these other ones up, so... My number four, The Unforgiven Part Three. What? <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I. The Unforgiven Part Three was probably a top fifteen if it if it stretched that far. I fucking love wow. The Unforgiven Part Three. Okay. I don't like Part Two, but that's not really their fault. It was just, uh, I think they just did too many drugs in the late nineties. So hmm. that'll happen, I guess. Yeah, it's not their fault. Uh, okay, then I guess my number eight is uh, Fade to Black off of Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Ride the Lightning, uh, my favorite uh, Metallica album. So yeah, there, there. I was gonna say there are no wrong choices. There definitely are, but again, I refuse to. Back yeah, I, I, I keep feeling like I say it and I have to defend it. It's like no, it's it's a good song. Like you're not you're not gonna be like that song sucks. <laughs> uh, anything uh, that they released prior to 1991 is not a wrong pick, and basically anything they've released since 2003 is not a wrong pick. So uh, fair enough. Uh, my number eight is. Ironically, from post two thousand three, uh, from Death Magnetic, uh, all nightmare long would be uh, would be my number eight. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have nothing um, on my list after the year I was born, so that's that's fine. Yeah, no, all nightmare long gets me going. It's it's a good it's a good one. I, I remind I was a song I used to listen to before hockey games when I uh, back when MP three players were what you brought to the rink instead of uh, your just your phones and and you had Bluetooth headphones. I had a shitty pair of fucking. Uh, you know, skull candy headphones and a fucking MP3 player that hold 50 songs, but all of Death Magnetic was on there. So, uh, but yeah, all Namer Long was uh, it gets me going. I, I like it a lot. It's it's got an interesting progression to the song and just kind of comes back and circles back around to the to the chorus that the song is sort of built off of. So yeah, I like it. It's good. Bad time to mention uh, this week's sponsor, Skull Candy Headphones. Mm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this week's sponsor, Raycon. <laughs> uh, number seven for me is Battery off of Master of Puppets. Yeah. Great yeah. fucking tune. Gets uh, Just comes in so winging from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, and I, uh, uh, yeah, well, I'll mention it when I get to it. Um, not Battery, but uh, my number seven is The Day That Never Comes from 2008's uh, Death Magnetic. Wow, going back to back on the magnetic train, eh? 
Yeah, I really liked Death Magnetic. I, I didn't like Hardwired to self-destruct quite as much as a as an album, um, but I thought Death Magnetic was like it is. I didn't know if Metallica was ever going to be Metallica again, and then all of a sudden they were just like, "Hey, we heard you. We heard everyone bitching about the last three albums. We're just going to do what we used to do." And we're like, "Cool, please do that." And then they did Death Magnetic, and it was fucking great, and probably was the album of the year, but it didn't win. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, my number six is Ride the Lightning from Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, again, like this is this is my favorite Metallica album. Uh, is the title's sake. Usually those songs don't pan out for whatever reason, but this one does, and I absolutely love it. And uh, I can't remember if it's the first song on the album or the second, but it's it's early on, and um, boy, does it uh, kind of set the tone for the rest of the uh, the, yeah. the piece of work there. Yeah, one Metallic is good at uh, at one thing for sure. That's setting the tone. Um, my my number six is kind of an interesting one because it's not it's not technically a Metallica song, but uh, my number six is "Turn the Page" from their 1998 album compilation, whatever you want to call it, uh, Garage Inc., which was basically just a bunch of covers. Um, and I know everyone knows Whiskey in the Jar as well, being uh, as a Metallica song, technically not a Metallica song. Uh, uh, they were uh, maybe the uh, 100,000th different version of the song because the song's a billion years old. Uh, but Turn the Page is not a billion years old. Bob Seger wrote it in the 70s. And um, in my opinion, I think Turn the Page is one of the best covers of all time. It is a very rare example of uh, a band taking a song that was already good, but making it a million times better, and um, you know, like, a, like, a, like, I guess, like, it would be right up there with like Alien Ant Farm's "Smooth Criminal" and shit like that. Like, I think it, I think it is one of the best covers of all time, and uh, I love it. I've listened to it very regularly since I was like thirteen years old, and I do not grow tired of it. Tired of it? I love it. It's great. Turn the page. Hmm. Uh. I did not include any covers on my list. That's fair. Um, uh, 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 a what? What is the word I'm looking for? A testament to the songwriting is what you're trying to say, maybe? No, no, no. Uh, a, oh, okay. a, a, a just a warning to the rest of the listeners that the, oh. my list will not have that song, despite oh. I agreeing with uh, everything you just said about it. So, okay, that's fine. Uh, number five uh, is one off of uh, "And Justice for All." Mm-hmm. A horrifying story that uh, mm-hmm. honestly gives me chills every time I listen to it. And uh, the music isn't that bad either. So uh, it uh, definitely does mesh well. And uh, big fan. It's my favorite song off that album uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, if, you, uh, if you're a Metallica fan or even just a metal fan and you've never listened to And Justice For All front to back, um, it is the metal equivalent of, like, Dark Side of the Moon, pretty much. It's just a fucking pretty cool journey that album takes you on. It's, it's great. I, I think it's... I think it's a brilliant. As far as al- as far as metal albums go, it's probably the closest thing you'll get to like a full blown concept album. It's it's pretty close. It, Fair it, enough. It's great. Uh, my number five is uh, I just love the fucking song. I just don't know. I can't really like give you a good reason why I even like it more than Battery because it's just like essentially a new version of Battery, kind of. But uh, my number five is Hardwired 
from Hardwired to Self-Destruct from 2016. I, I fucking love it. It's three minutes long. It, it was like everyone bitching for years that it's like, no, but we want real 80s Metallica. And then they made that song and everyone's like, yeah, but do it this way. And it's like, well, that's what we just did. Um, I think it's great. I think it's an awesome song. It's very quick to the point. Uh, one of their most kick-ass songs for sure, just because of the, the energy to it. Um, there's a lot of jokes are on the internet about the song Hardwired because the joke is that Metallica actually plays it faster live. Uh, which I'm like, that just couldn't be fucking possible. And then you watch live ver- versions of the al- of the song, and it's like, yeah, this might be faster. Uh, it's fucked. It's a great song, though. I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, Hardwired. They used it in billions. Uh, they used it in billions of, uh, on the season finale as well, which uh, obviously got me fired up because I do love the song um, because Bobby Axelrod's favorite band is Metallica, and it was like his like, okay. probably crown, crown jewel scene. Of his of the entire series was this like send off to the end of the season kind of thing, and uh, it was like the perfect song they could have fucking picked. It was it was unreal. I, I was curious as to why the context of Metallica being in Billions was, but oh tons. There, there's a literal okay. episode where uh, him and his buddies go see Metallica in Montreal. They just get get in his private jet jet and go to Montreal. And uh, one of his buddies is played by Noah Amrich from uh, the Truman Show and Space Force and. Uh, Coach Patrick from Miracle. And, uh, yeah, so they, they just go and see them. But, yeah, like, Bobby just all the time is wearing, like, Metallica shirts. They use a lot of Metallica music in the show as well, so. Nice. I like that. I, I, I can get behind that for sure. It's for sure the best series I've ever seen when it comes to using music, 100%. Hmm. Uh, my uh, number four is My Friend of Misery from uh, Metallica, the Ooh. Black Album. Interesting. Um, Probably the best work that Jason Newstead ever had the chance to record with the band. God damn, I um, love Jason Newstead. Uh, I, I want to love Jason Newstead more. It's it's just the guy that he yeah. replaced happened no, to be the I, greatest no. bass player of all time. I gotcha. Um, but that is definitely the shining light. Uh, I don't even know if they plugged his guitar in for "And Justice for All," but he he shows up a, a few spots on the Black Album. And this is one of them, and uh, I love it. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's a good that's a good bass song, for sure. It would make sense. Fun, fun to like play. It. I I went out and learned that one, and I, I I can't stop just noodling it whenever I pick it up. So, yeah, I was I was drunk the other night and was rattled. I couldn't learn how to play the day that never comes in less than twenty minutes, and it's not an easy song to fucking learn on guitar because it's eight minutes long. So, <laughs> um, I still haven't got past the first thirty seconds. I don't think so. Um, my number four is Fade to Black from Ride the Lightning, nineteen eighty four. Um, I mean, like, if you're not really super familiar with Metallica, it's of it's of Guitar Hero fame, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really cool song. I do have a soft spot for their st- softer songs. And what's really cool about Fade to Black is it starts soft, and one of the best journeys I think a song takes you on in in probably all of rock music history. Like it just the progression of the energy to the song, the different... Oh, it's just... It's such a brilliant song. I was saying to to James before we started recording, my 5 to 1, I, I sat here longer thinking about than the Mount Rushmore for Sweden and the fucking Hall of Fame combined. I, I couldn't decide how to order these songs. Um, unfortunately, Fade to Black loses out to three other songs, but still, number 4, I've... I knew how to play it on guitar at one point, some of it. A lot of a lot of fun to play. There you go. 
from one great bass line to another, my number three is For Whom the Bell Tolls off of cool. Ride the Lightning. Um, of Zombieland fame. Yes. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people, myself included, when I was young, uh, seem to think that that uh, beginning is an electric guitar. And uh, nope, they just had a guy that used to play lead bass in a band, um, and uh, kept that from his lead bass days. And uh, boy, howdy, is that ever uh, a sharp little little ditty he came up with? It's really good, <laughs> really good. Um, my number three is uh, wherever I may roam. From Metallica's 1991 The Black Album. Um, or Metallica. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it, like it's a similar song to For Whom the Bell Tolls, I think, uh, structurally. Um, the tune's sort of similar, I think. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I don't really know how to summarize the song. It's unbelievable. Listen to it. It's great. Uh, number two is Wherever I May Roam. Uh, <laughs> Metallica off The Black nice. Album. Uh, nice. It it very much differs, I find, from the rest of that album. I, I feel yeah. like that's one of the ones that was maybe laying around at the end of the yeah. Justice for All sessions, and they thought, yeah. oh, there's something here, we'll keep it around. And it, I, I, I agree with you. I even it, it reminds me more of Ride the Lightning than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I think. That's, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get you. I, I, do, I do wonder if that was laying around. And it, it's kind of funny when bands do that eh? like they sit on songs for years put it out and then it becomes one of their best songs of all time but mm-hmm. yeah there you go yeah uh, my number two is Nothing Else Matters from uh, Metallica's 1991 The Black Album or Metallica if you will um, yeah it's it's uh, I just uh, yeah I, I don't even really know I don't even know really really where to begin on that one like I've just it's always it's been always one of my favorite uh rock songs and i've listened to it i would imagine close to a thousand times in my life like i just it it's always been in the rotation i've never stopped listening to it it's never grown stale to me i find something new that i like about it all the time and it's great it's just a it's a softer song with still a lot of kick-ass metallica to it so there you go uh my number one is master of puppets off of master of puppets Um, cool of old school fame of old school fame, yeah. Um, if you say anything to anyone, I'll fucking kill you. Fucking legendary, nearly nine-minute piece of work. Um, I remember it being the end-all, be-all of what everybody wanted to learn how to play in guitar yeah. class when I was in high school. And if you could even play three notes of it, uh, you were considered some sort of god. Um, uh, I think this is. Each member of the band added at their height. Yeah. Uh, with respects to Jason Newstead, who didn't show up till uh, later. Uh, the four guys that were there at the time, they they all uh, expertly executed their crafts, and uh, it it shows not only in the length of the song, but uh, in the quality of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, Metallica, good uh, good group of musicians, I, I suppose. Good good, um, good good guys, good good couple players. Duh, you know. Yeah, I, I honestly I had no idea that was your favorite song. I, I figured it'd be on the top ten. Um, I don't really know what I thought your favorite uh, Metallica song was, but I, I didn't think it was that. Okay. Well, I thought you were going to be like okay. a, sad, a sad but true guy or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. I find the Black Album to be a little overrated. I'm, I'm yeah. a bigger fan of those middle three. But... Well, the thing, the thing with the Black Album is um, the Black Album is less an album. 
it's almost, it's almost like they made a greatest hits album before they had even released any of the songs. Like, it's just like, all the songs on their own, I think, stand up really well. But the album itself doesn't have a lot of continuity to it, I find. It kind of just doesn't, from song to song, it just doesn't blend that well. Sure. You know? Uh, or, I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't blend that well. It doesn't blend well enough to be considered, you know, like a masterpiece album. And that's why when I think of, like, a complete album, like I said, I like song for song, probably everything, almost almost everything better on the Black Album as opposed to And Justice For All. But I'd rather sit down and listen to And Justice For All, like, ten times out of ten. hundred percent. You know. Um, fucking Blackened. That's a banger. Just how I like yeah. my chicken. I, I honestly, I kind of wonder if they record a, a studio version, like an actual like edited studio version of that new acoustic version of Black End. I think I, I think I would like it a lot. It's mm. it's really raw that that video they put together. So the version's like not, it's not incredible, but it's like a completely different fucking song. It's crazy. I don't, I don't think I've seen the video myself actually. Okay. But oh, Metallica put out a a, a a 2020 version of Black End. Called Neat. Black in 2020. I tagged you in it a while ago, but it was it was months ago now. So oh it's wow, gotta be, it, okay. it's got to be out of your brain by now. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, my number one is for whom the bell tolls from 1984. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, yeah, I think arguably like one of the best pump up songs of all time. It doesn't get old to me. Uh, the Jets from Zombieland just... Two fame. <laughs> did they use it again? Yeah, they did. I don't remember them using it the second yeah. time. Uh, that's meant that they did actually. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's, uh, you know what? It's a song I didn't even really, uh, that's one I, that kind of, I grew on me. Like, I don't think that would have been in my top 30 even, um, maybe even like eight years ago, but it's, it's grown on me a lot. It's just a fascinating song. I think it, it, it's every time I listen to it, I feel like I never know what's coming. It's part of why I like Metallica. It's just cause they kind of that genre of music is a little more unpredictable and it, like their music just kind of hops around a little bit more than than conventional rock music and that's why like with for whom for whom the bell tolls it's not a classic you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus like it's not it's not it's not like that at all it's like verse sort of chorus verse sort of chorus and then knee in the instrumental groin. yeah <laughs> and then sort of a bridge at the end like it's just like what uh yeah no it's cool they're 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 a really cool band and I feel like for whom the bell tolls encompasses them uh the best but I I yeah master of puppets is also I I will say this too uh, because you're not on Instagram um there was a fan poll bracket for the best Metallica song of all time and uh, they announced the winner today and it was one versus master of puppets and master of puppets won uh, which I was fine with I think it's a I think it's a better song than one although one is also amazing i'm surprised those two songs made it that far but good i'm i'm just happy it wasn't enter sandman because i just figured all the all the casual fans were gonna vote for that and that's what i mean uh, like of of all the song like of all the metallica fans like i would just assume there's a whole slew of them that are on there for one album and one album only and they're just gonna mm -hmm. vote for the songs on that one album right so yeah, that's good to know that there's some hope in the world. Yeah, well, and I mean that's the thing too is I missed most of the voting, so like I didn't I didn't get to vote either. So like I don't know how many fans were actually voting every time they put the stories up because like I'm not really active on Instagram, so I don't I didn't really um, 
fire up their story every single day too right like i follow like 800 people and all these stories come up like i don't watch them all i'll open like three or four people's stories and i close the app for like an hour so uh sometimes i would see it sometimes i wouldn't uh every song i voted for lost i think um but yeah it's uh it's uh yeah I think there's huh. no wrong answers here, pretty much, unless... Uh, uh, at least you got your say with your own list on your own platform. There you go. Yeah. My number one, uh, actually, Some Kind of Monster from St. Anger 2003. Mm-hmm. Jesus. A cool song when you were in high school. Yes. Not yeah, so much like, now. Like, when I didn't really understand music as well as I do now, uh, for sure, actually liked that album, and I listened to some of it today, and I... Uh, it's horrible. It's just awful. It's a... To quote Jay Baruchel in This Is The End, it's a horrendous piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, well, that is, uh, I guess, the end of the podcast. Um, For this week. This this week. (laughs) We're not not shutting down. That's not the the series finale. No. Just just for now. Just for today. That's the mid thing, right? Is we uh, normally would be approaching the end of our season, but... uh, Mm. Yeah. Does it it really ever stop now? Who's to say? It's just, one uh, long, it's just one long schmozzle of hockey news now. I have nothing to pitch. I have to go to work tomorrow, and okay. that's that's my life. Um, I I don't have anything to pitch either. I'm going on vacation this week, and I'm hoping to come back 100% healthy, but uh, we'll see. Enjoy that. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna be sketching out the whole time. Like it's just it's. I don't even know why. You know, I don't know why I'm going. But uh, yeah, should be should be great. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, check us out next week when we talk about how the NHL screwed up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we'll we'll be back at some point. I I would say uh, this if you're someone who does not follow us on Twitter because I will probably be tweeting it out. Uh, to update some of our fans, but if you did make it to the end of this episode and you're wondering, uh, next week, uh, we, we're not going to be out on fucking, uh, Wednesday, probably next week, because uh, I don't get back till Tuesday evening, I'm not sure we're going to record immediately Tuesday night, uh, so we might be looking at a later release next week, we might be looking, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday sort of thing, uh, if we do do an episode, it might be a very quick one, we'll see what happens, but... Um, yeah, don't don't panic. If we're not back. We're not uh, we're not we're not disappearing on you. We just uh, we just uh, I need some time to recover. You said don't panic. I thought we were going into instant game mode, and I was I was thrown right, off. Uh, James, number one, Eric Weinrich. Mm. <laughs> we live in a beautiful. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. done. Are you done? No, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. See you later. Mm-hmm. Bye. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're gonna make friends in no time. <laughs> Watching the sun bake All of those tourists Covered with oil Strumming my six string On my front porch swing Smell those shrimp They're
Don't know the reason Stayed here all season Nothing to show but this brand new tattoo But it's a real beauty Our Mexican cutie How it got here I haven't a clue Wasting away again in margarita bed Searching for my lost shaker of salt Some people claim that there's a warm blame Now I think It's my 